0: You're listening to Body IOFM. With your hosts, Kiefer and Dr. Rocky, where cutting-edge science meets the razor's edge of health and performance.
1: Welcome to a special episode of Body IOFM with your guest host, Jim Laird. Kiefer and Rocky asked me to fill in this week because they're busy with what sounds like an incredible number of projects this year. Since Kiefer told me I could choose my guests, or guests in this case, I thought I'd invite two of my favorite people in the industry, Sarah Fergoso and Jason Side. What's up, guys? How was your how Christmas and New Year's?
2: So awesome.
0: Really, really stinking good and relaxing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> was fantastic.
2: Nice.
0: Yeah. You know, how and, and the goes?
1: reason, uh, it was great. It was fantastic. Right. I, I went on a random drive to Tallahassee and back just for fun, because that's kind of how I decompress is driving. Right. Um, so I just got in the car and drove, listened to a bunch of podcasts and stuff. It was, it was fun. Cool. Nice. Um, I'm super excited and honored to, that Kiefer uh, let me do this or asked me to do this. Um, the reason I wanted to have you guys on the show uh, is because not only are you spreading a message that people need to hear, um, you're doing it every day. Like you're actually working with clients every day as opposed to some people in this industry that are sitting back behind their computer, they're not coaching or they've never coached anyone ever, uh, and they're giving people advice um, on what they need to be doing and they don't work with anyone. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the main reasons I want to have you guys on here. Plus you're just super good friends of mine. And, and we, you know, we're going to agree on, uh, 99.9% of the stuff. We're pretty much all on the same page and Mm -hmm. we can have a really good, uh, open discussion and get some great information out there. You know, this is the new year people are searching, they're desperate for answers. They're, they're seeking information. And uh, I figured we'd get on here and just give people some information, you know, that you can, you know, if you're a regular listener, key for Show, you're pretty well educated, you know, you're going to be able to share this with your wife, your girlfriend, uh, your friends uh, to get some really good information out there that can help just about everybody needs this information. So mm-hmm. Jason, why don't we, uh, why don't we start with you and why don't you give us just like a quick bio for people that uh, have been hiding under a rock and don't know who you are and <coughs> this area and you can give your quick little, little jibber jabber and then we'll get after it. Cool.
2: Cool. Well, my name is Jason Seib. Um, I'm really only interesting because I have an amazing wife and I ride Sarah's coattails. So those are... No, I'm kidding. Let me start that over. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going to get a laugh out of you guys for that. That joke was better than you gave it credit for. Really. Both of you.
0: Seriously. I couldn't, Jim.
1: I couldn't hit the unmute button fast enough. Oh, okay.
0: Perfect. Same so, here. I was <clears> tracking <throat> up, I promise.
2: <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, yeah, I have a gym, a small gym, uh, Clackamas Physical Conditioning also known as CPC Fitness and Fat Loss in the Portland, Oregon area. Um, uh, Sarah and I have an online training community called jossafit.com. I wrote a book called The Paleo Coach. Uh, most recently, the Jossa Method, which we just released. And uh, I don't know when this is going to air. So let's just say we just released it recently, but it has just blown up and I'm super excited about it. I'm sure we'll get to talk about that later. Um, let's see, I do... Uh, uh, Sarah and I have done uh, tons of seminars around the country and and currently uh, while Sarah takes a little hiatus from that I'm doing uh, uh, sustainable fat loss seminars usually about twice a month somewhere in the somewhere in the nation right now um, I'm actually in Colorado Springs um, soon and, and well again I don't know when this is this is uh um, gonna air so I guess I won't tell any dates but um, then uh, what, what else I, I feel like I'm leaving out a thousand things I've got a uh, awesome wife Cheryl, three three beautiful daughters, um, bunch more projects in the works all the time. Sarah and I do the Paleo Lifestyle and Fitness podcast, which never ceases to amaze me. How many people listen to that thing? Um, always make jokes that it's just us and my mom, but in reality, the numbers have uh, at, at least at times and, and most of the time just been astonishing. And um, it's just super awesome to to know that we're we're reaching that many people. And uh, I feel like there's probably 10 other things I'm missing, but uh, that, that that probably sums it up fairly well.
1: Sweet. Your turn, Sarah. Go.
0: Okay. Well, besides all the stuff that Jason mentioned that he and I do together, I'm probably best known for um, this, this kind of, I guess, brand that I created years ago called Everyday Paleo. So my website is everydaypaleo.com, and I'm a national bestselling author of five books, on nutrition and fitness, and I even have a children's book thrown in there, too. Um, and you can find all those books on my website if you're interested in any of those. Then, of course, the recent um, collaboration that I just completed with Jason, which he mentioned, just The Joss Method. And um, most importantly, what my like real life is, is I am a homeschooling mom to three kids. My oldest is just now actually in college, so um, we kind of actually made it with one of them at least, <laughs> and the other two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a huge feat for those moms and dads out there listening who know, oh my God, my kid actually made it to college age, high fives all around. They lived. They lived, exactly. <laughs> and I don't know if any of that was my doing or just by like pure luck, but anyway, we're, we're stoked that that happened. <laughs> so um, the other two are 11 and 7 and keep us completely busy. And then my husband and I own a gym together here in Chico, California called... JS strength conditioning and, Edition, and wow. you can hear my dogs in the background. I also have dogs.
1: <laughs> and chickens.
0: And, <laughs> and chickens. chickens and chickens so I'm like a semi like kind of want to be uh, homesteader cuz I do have chickens and I try to have a garden which is sometimes pretty pathetic. But um you know I just I work with clients that's that's what I do. I'm I'm in the gym two full days a week and it really takes up a lot of our life. My kids are total gym rats and we say we homeschool them but really they just like learn how to coach people. <laughs> <their> homeschooling. <laughs>
2: they just play. They, they play and play. wrestle. They and play. Awesome.
0: It, it is super cool. And we're, in fact, we're starting the kids class next week and awesome. you know, par- parents are like, well, what do I, what do I? I'm like? No, your kids just show up and they learn how to play. If they've forgotten, that's basically it. If your kid's been in school and sitting in a desk and you know, or they've been in only organized sports and at yes. school, then they're just going to learn how to crawl and jump and climb. And, you know, get over baby being afraid of just moving in one direction, you know? So anyway,
2: um, let them fall
1: and stuff and then let them play around and they don't have to worry about breaking anything. It's, it's awesome.
0: I know. I I figure at the end of the day, if one of my kids hasn't scraped or bruised or bumped something, then we've done something wrong. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a really busy full life that we have and I don't know sometimes how we do it all, but every day I wake up and I'm grateful for, for everything.
1: That's, That's awesome. So let's jump right into this. Um, we're really going to try and get as much good quality information out there. I know there's a lot of people searching right now for for help. Um, Jason, what's the you know you both you and Sarah own gyms, uh, very successful facilities. Um, what's the what's the typical person that you see come through your door?
2: Well, uh, my gym is at, at least seventy percent women right now, um, and almost all of them are uh, they have some sort of history of fat loss, frustration, usually some yo-yo dieting. Um, I always always like to mention how how crazy it is that that's just a, a household word. You don't have to explain to anybody what the concept of yo-yo dieting is because, quote, the hard part is keeping it off, end quote. And that stuff doesn't strike anybody as, you know, oh my God, how could this possibly be right? But um, we uh, we typically see people come in, they have Uh, a bit of metabolic damage. Usually there's a lot of cardio and caloric restriction and other things in their past that were aimed at being thin as opposed to aimed at being healthy. Uh, And then, you know, having a a, a body that looks great by accident. And there's a lot of paradigm shifts that have to happen, right? As they come in the door. Um, I know that you've, you've said this before too, Jim, that usually the typical, the typical client fat loss client that comes in the door needs to be slowed down a bit. You have to get them to do less, puffing and puffing, and you need to get them to eat more calories. And that's uh, I- at least 95%. Like it's it's better than yeah. than nine out of 10 people that walk in the door, nine out of 10 women that walk in the door with fat loss goals. Almost all of them are eating someplace between 12 and 1400 calories. Almost all of them are trying to do something with the idea of burning calories. And, right. and the whole thing is, is just designed to create a deficit that then convinces their body that life is terrible here on earth and it should store fat like it's hoarding gold. And um, <laughs> and it should, uh, it should slow down their metabolism. And uh, most of them have slow thyroids. Oftentimes they've been told they've got things like adrenal fatigue or they're on the edge of it. And um, we have to make this shift towards health. And there's a lot of stuff they have to be taught up front that just ends up being really shocking. And sometimes we lose them. Sometimes people are like, I just... I can't believe that Weight Watchers and Biggest Loser have been wrong this whole time. I've got to go. And so um, occasionally. Well, they and, and, their
1: uh, fingers. and a lot of people are afraid of the truth, too. Once you tell mm-hmm. them the truth, they, they don't like the truth and they and they, they bolt. You know, yeah. and it's right. like a vampire. You shine light on it and they freak out. And but the people that have suffered enough and are ready for a change will actually embrace what you're teaching them. Sarah, how about you? Do you see a lot of the same things?
0: I do. It seems to be a widespread trend for sure. And, you know, like the average client that I have usually comes and sits in my office. And we do also have about 70 to 75% women at our gym. And I think we just, I don't know, I think we just draw those, that demographic in because mm-hmm. of how we coach. Um, but, you know, I'll have a woman sit down with me in the office and they'll, they'll basically tell, because we do a really thorough intake, it's not just, oh, you want to get fit? Sweet. Let's go work out.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, you know, we, we talk usually for an hour to a person before we even tell them if they can or cannot work out at our gym. So, you know, typically it, it looks something like I either haven't worked out in years or I've <laughs> done several five or 10K training programs and either wasn't able to complete whatever race I was training for or was right. injured during the race. Or I feel like I want to do another one, but I'm totally exhausted. And I haven't really seen any results from that because I can never be as fast as my friend who is like this ultra marathon runner and she looks amazing and I don't know why I can't. Um, and or, and or, they're also mother a mother of like three to five kids and they work full time and they sleep five to six hours a night. And um, if they eat, it's usually processed and, and or they are trying to do some sort of diet that's very much a calorie deficit diet or they've been at another gym where the trainer had them on a 500-calorie to 1,000-calorie-a-day diet, and they got amazing results. And then they obviously couldn't sustain that, and they gained a whole bunch of weight back, and they have come to me because they heard that I will actually let them eat. So that's (laughs) kind of the typical client that I sit down with. And um, we always start from you know square one, like, okay, well, the first thing you need to do is sleep. (laughs) So let's start there. And I know we're going to talk about all of this, but... That's that's the average client that I work with. And we do definitely have people who are just, you know, wanting to to create some change and are in a pretty good space and they just need to figure out how to move their bodies in the right way. And that is great when that client walks in the door, but it's definitely not the average client, especially it, my one-on-one clients that I work with.
2: Isn't it funny that that we get that story all the time that my friend is a marathon runner and I can't keep up with her and she looks amazing. And then down the road, you see a picture. This person finally brings you a picture of this amazing looking, uh, marathon runner. And they're the, f- the, the original, client, ma- that yeah, the original right. client
1: that comes in. Yeah. The original client
2: that comes in, it thinks they look amazing because they're simply not fat. Like right. it's like, like amazing. The definition of amazing bodies now is just the absence of a lot of extra fat. It's like, or, when- or
1: just flesh in general, like, right. you know, just skinny, like when did- skinny, skinny is healthy, which is the, uh, Mm-hmm. Um, furthest thing from the truth. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and what I see, you know, typically I have about 90% of our clients are female, you know, people say Americans are so lazy. Um, I would agree that our daily activity level is way down. And that's one of the reasons we, we do, we don't do any, like, you know, we don't walk as much as we used to. Our general activity is way down, but people who are absolutely murdering themselves. There's two extremes There's the people that don't do anything. And then there's the people that are killing themselves. Right. And most of the people that we attract are the ones that are killing themselves The ones that are lazy actually are easier to work with because you can always get them to do more, but they're looking at the people that are killing themselves and watching like the NFL and the CrossFit games. And they're thinking, is this what I have to do to be healthy? And they don't understand what health is. They don't understand that health and performance aren't the same thing. And so they're on the sidelines. And once you get them going in the right direction, they go, wow, if I'd have known how easy this was, I'd have done it years ago. And, and, and and, And a lot of the people that are beating the hell out of themselves are doing it to manage stress. And that's the way they cope with stress is through exercise. So, um, Jason, why don't, you, why don't you kick us off with talking about, you know, educating women in particular, what happens when, you know, you put yourself in calorie restriction and, and, you, and you up the exercise, how does, how does stress and that survival response affect, uh, um, you know, how things go in the wrong direction? And Sarah, if you want to make a comment real quick before I kind of cut you off there, you can go right ahead.
0: Oh, what was I going to say? Now I have forgotten. Oh, <laughs> I remember now. I, that's just a common question that I get from the demographic that you mentioned that really haven't been active at all, where they're scared. They come into my gym and they look right. around and they're like, usually the first question I get is, is this a CrossFit gym? Because they've heard right. And I'm like, no, let me talk you off the ledge. I actually don't want you to come here right now more than two days a week. And they're okay. like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's, that's all I was going to say. But go ahead. Please.
2: Yeah. So when... When your your whole concept of dieting, and it's really frustrating because this is even the case in the scientific literature, but the whole concept of dieting, if we just say the word diet in the Western world, and we don't quantify that by saying a low-carb diet, low-fat diet, whatever, if we just say the word diet, it by default means um, calorie restriction, which is ridiculous because humans have a diet and trying to figure that out is worthwhile. We have a diet like like every other animal that evolved on this planet and and, and understanding that to the best of our ability has some value. But if your whole concept of how you're going to lose weight and how you got fat is based on calories, like, you know, you go to your typical doctor and you go, Doc, I'm overweight. What happened? He says, well, you eat too much and you move too little. If you've bought into that, which chances are you have, if if you live in the Western world, then your amazingly adaptive body- will respond under enough pressure from those stimuli long enough. So you cut your calories down and uh, you increase your huffing and puffing and you unbelievably adaptive, awesome, super cool body that does everything in its power to keep you living as long as it can and as healthfully as, you pos- as it possibly can. It down-regulates your metabolism. Usually at the thyroid just turning things down. It's kind of like um, the idea that your body realizes that There's going to be more stress events. It does, for whatever reason, a predator is going to be chasing you again, or you're going to be moving uh, really hard again to try to get to your food, which there isn't enough of. So it slows you down in between those stress events and your energy comes in waves and you don't, uh, you spend most of the time gassed and feel like you could use a nap and got a lot of head fog and things like that. And then we upregulate virtually everything that is related to how we get fat into our fat cells. So things like, you know, without getting too scientific, lipoprotein lipase at the fat cell, which is an enzyme that uh, sort of pulls um, uh, fatty acids or, or triglycerides, breaks them down and pulls the fatty acids into the fat cell with a reconstituted back into triglycerides. And you have now stored fat. Again, don't want to go too scientific on you, but, um, but the, we, we create more of that. There's just a ton more lipoprotein lipase. There's even some data that seems to be pointing at a shift in the species of the, your uh, gut microbiome, shifting to species that are better at extracting uh, calories from food. I don't have any really super solid data on that yet, but there's some stuff out there that's pointed in that direction. So virtually what you've told your body is life sucks here. Life on earth is really hard and there is nothing more valuable than stored body fat when life is hard. It's exactly what you would do if you hit a famine. It's how you would treat your pantry. You're just eating away out of the pantry. Famine hits. You guard that door with your life. Don't let anything out that doesn't have to come out. You nibble at it only what you need. And then anything that happens to come by or, or enter your view that could be shoved into that pantry, you shove it in there and save it because it's super valuable. So you get situations where at the starting line of every marathon, there's really nobody you want to be. You want to be built like. There's only a couple of people there, a couple of body types there, and it's usually the emaciated little, really super thin people that. And that's their sport. They're there to win. I got no beef with those people. Everybody else is telling themselves, "If I just add a few more miles each week, I'll finally get rid of this midsection fat." And that midsection fat is not going anywhere <laughs> until every drop of that super expensive muscle mass muscle mass being very biochemically, biologically expensive, every bit of it that you can finally give up is gone. That's when the last of that fat will go. And that's- Don't, when worry, you're,
1: don't forget about bone mass too. Yeah.
2: And your bone <laughs> mass too. So yeah, you're, you're, you, got, you have to be in a really unhealthy place to run your way into abs.
1: It's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, and, and, and that's the thing too. And, and so you add the stress of, you know, basically to sum up what he said in a nutshell- is that when you, when you have starvation, you're not eating enough nutritious food, and you can eat a calorie excess and be in starvation too, where you're eating foods that don't have a lot of nutrition. A lot of women fall into that category by eating empty foods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're adding exercise on top of that. You're basically telling your body, hey, I've got to survive. I've got to store as much fat as I can, and I've got to burn as little energy as possible. I'm going to shut down my digestion. My cognitive function doesn't need to be as sharp. I just need to stay alive. And so we've got that stressor already going on, plus combined with exercise. And then, you know, Sarah, you can talk to us a little bit, you know, since the majority of the, the clients we deal with are women, you know, what kind of stresses in life are women dealing with? And then you throw that on top of it. We, we've mm-hmm. just got a recipe for disaster. So why don't you talk a little bit about that and, and how difficult it is to actually get people to slow down?
0: Oh, for sure. I want, you know, um, someone, <laughs> some people are going to hate me for this and that's totally fine because I'm over that, I guess. But... I totally blame the feminist movement (laughs) and not that I'm not, you know, anyway, I do. I just do because if you look back a hundred years ago, we were only supposed to do a couple of things as women and I'm a career person. So I'm not saying the things that we're doing is bad. I mean, I have a career, I have a job, I own multiple businesses. Like I'm all for women doing what they want to do. However, we tend to, because of who we are, take on way more than we can physically handle way, way more than we can emotionally handle. And we can't, and then we blame ourselves for falling apart. Like somehow it's our fault for not being able to do all of these things. So, I mean, I I joke when I say I blame the feminist movement, but at the same time, I mean, we went from being expected to have one role as mother and wife and homemaker to doing those three things and having multiple careers, going to school You know, being bosses and and, um business owners and entrepreneurs and all of those things are wonderful. And look like
1: a supermodel at the same time. Right.
0: And then look like a (laughs) supermodel at the same time. And and that's just what what we expect of ourselves. And I'm not saying so much that society expects that, but us as women expect that of ourselves. And it's a really, really, really tough spot to be in. And I've been there, I I fight I fight the same battle every day. And like I said, I'm grateful. That I have the opportunity to do all these amazing things, but I really have to keep myself in check too, because it's hard. I mean, I, I am pulled in a hundred different directions every day. I feel like there are days when I just need to be home with my kids, but then I'm, you know, no, I really love what I do. I need to be at the gym. So trying to mitigate that stress is super challenging for women because we don't want to let go of anything. So really trying to start by just having women be aware that it is okay that they're feeling overwhelmed, that that's not a sign of weakness. It doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't mean that they failed. It just means that you're just as human as I am. So I always try to relate to my clients and tell them, look, I am in the same boat and it can either be a sinking boat or you can stand strong and make sure that you can manage your life. And often that does mean letting go of some stuff, which is hard for us to hear. But I've really learned over the years that saying no is like the most powerful thing that I can do in my own life. Mm-hmm. And I'm all right with that. I have to really prioritize. And we often get caught up in this, you know, we talk a lot about living in the moment and so many women are like, you know, I, I, I need to do what I need to do right now. And I understand that, but I really encourage my clients to also look into the future and say, all right, so today you've got 9,000 things that you feel like you have to accomplish. But 30 years from now, when you have cancer and bone loss and <laughs> your hair's falling out, What do you want? Do you want to look back on that day and say, thank God I did those 9,000 things? No, that's not what we want. None of us want that. I want to look back 30 years from now and go, wow, I took that time and said, no, I cannot make cupcakes for the PTA meeting for the 900th time because I need to actually be home with my children or I need to sit down in my chair and meditate for 10 minutes or I need to take a bath and like relax for a little bit. So I really try and instill that idea and concept into my clients' heads and one, you know, the women especially that we don't have to get everything done today because the end result of that doesn't mean that anyone's going to care more about us or love us more or think that we're amazing any more than we already are. In fact, what our family and our loved ones really want is for us to be all right. So um, I try to start whittling things away like, okay, what can you let go of? What can you say no to? What are the things that really don't matter all that much at the end of the day And then how can you take care of yourself by adding in 10 minutes a day of meditation, by walking instead of running, by taking a bath at night instead of being on Facebook, by limiting your electronic time because so much of that is just an energy suck for women especially because we start comparing ourselves and wondering if we should be doing more because you see Betty on Facebook who does 85,000 things and looks like a supermodel. So it's just literally one thing at a time until we start to get that perspective shift.
1: Nice. Um, Jason, we've already talked about, you know, calorie restriction, uh, you know, women eating, not eating enough food. What are some of the other nutritional mistakes that you see that are pretty common?
2: Oh man, Uh, a a lot of the women, and this isn't all across the board, but a lot of women um, come in with, Sort of an accidental vegetarian thing going on. They haven't necessarily said, I'm a vegetarian, but if you have them write down their food log, there's a couple of pieces of chicken and a couple of pieces of red meat that amount to, you know, a handful of ounces over the course of an entire week. And um, what they are eating is tons of salads and tons of of vegetables. Um, Well, when I say tons, I mean in a calorically restricted diet, adding in these. Foods that are already sort of calorically deficient isn't helping, so they're not eating like you know sitting down to a gigantic salad each day. It's you know a normal portion, but in in the percentages of the total food they're eating, you're just seeing a lot of really fibrous, vegetable-heavy situations, and then sugar. It's um, it it seemed and and also alcohol. Sugar and alcohol are two the two probably biggest culprits after the the uh, the fact that they're not getting enough calorically dense food and nutritionally dense food. um, We have these two factors that are just directly putting fat on them and making it really hard for them to lose it. And, um, and, and they're, they're obviously, you know, sugar and alcohol are both in our culture. They're both things that we turn, turn to for comfort and in our stressed out world, it's really easy to go home and feel like you quote unquote need that glass of wine at the end of the day. And, um, or, you know, have a crappy day and suddenly you are finding yourself at the bottom, bottom of, a, um, of, of, a, of a container of ice cream. So uh, it, it makes perfect sense that people struggle when they try to get away from these things. And I think that that's why the process for, for getting off of them are, is, is so important. But um, yeah, I, I think the things that jump out at me the most are what people think they can get away with. And then that's kind of the mentality that they have too is when they're looking at these changes, is what they want to know right, out, right up front is how often can I get away with these things? In other words, I value them so much that I don't want to let them go. If you tell me right now that I'm not ever going to eat sweets again, of course I would never tell anybody that. But it, it, the mentality is tell me how often. Is it seven days? Is it five days? is it eight days? Is it whatever it is? That's exactly when I'm going to eat this. And it's, it's, um, it, it's more of a perspective change at that point, but yeah, those are the big common ones. Nice.
1: Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's amazing. You know, the majority of the people I see their, their diets like celery sticks and carrot sticks and Greek fat-free Greek yogurt and, you know, uh, you know, massive shortages of protein and fat. And it's no wonder women end up binge eating on a regular basis. Uh, and just their body trying to survive. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to Mark McLaughlin, who's uh, actually in Portland, uh, out where you are, Jason. And he, he runs every one of his clients. And he deals mostly with athletes. He runs every one of his clients through something called the Omega Wave, which is kind of like Joel Jameson's BioForce, the HRV. And it tells them everything, like cardiac status, uh, h- hormone status, all these different power output, all this different stuff based off heart rate variability and then a, a brainwave function. And like six, he said, 60 to 70% of the athletes that come in are not prepared to train. Okay. Wow. And these are athletes, these are not normal everyday people. So you could imagine basically the level of uh, unpreparedness of like a normal person compared right. to an athlete. If 60 to 70% of the people he's seeing, These are like kids that are in college and elite level athletes. They don't have their sleep in line. They don't have their, their aerobic base in line. They don't have their work capacity. They don't move well. Um, So it's just, it's, it's insane. And, and Sarah, why don't you talk about one of the things I really loved about you guys' book, I went through it was where you start with people. Like we have a problem in this country. We've got the level of preparedness of the general population is going through the floor but the intensity of the training is going through the ceiling. Like the, the, the workouts get harder and more advanced and, and more complicated. And what people need are the basic fundamentals. They need sleep. They need to walk. They need to eat good stuff. And they need exercise that starts where they're at. Right. And Sarah, why don't you kind of talk a little bit about that? And, and, and uh, you know, I think I'm so grateful you guys put this book together because you, you, you went through goal setting like making sure it's not too long-term. Uh, you went through mindset. You went through all these different things, starting off with like sitting in a chair and sitting quietly and taking some breaths for four minutes. You right. know, that's, that's, that's where people are at. People literally need to start there. Uh, before I, I let you go, I, I'll, you know, I learned a really neat trick from Bill Hartman. And I don't know if you guys, uh, he's up in Indianapolis, but so I don't know if you guys have ever tried this, but you know, I struggle with, with slowing down and anxiety and that sort of thing a little bit myself because I'm a type A guy. Uh, but I'm actually an introvert, it's kind of interesting, but especially talking all the time, I get exhausted. A really good way for you to shut off and, and to chill out is just simply sit down in a chair and blow up a balloon. Blow that balloon up and pause for about three to five seconds on the exhale and then just keep blowing that balloon up till it's all the way full and then relax for a minute or two and do it again. You will literally shut yourself off. Like I go to sleep so much faster now because we're so stuck in inhalation. Okay. We all of most of the people especially us type A's, we are so extended and stuck in inhalation, we can't exhale. And exhale is when you shut off.
2: Yeah, that's parasympathetic. So, yeah. That makes Correct. really good sense. Yeah. So,
1: there's a good tip for all you guys out there if you want to learn how to chill if you're struggling with anxiety and all that stuff, just blow up a balloon. The best balloons to get are some uh helium balloons. Uh, you know, the best place to go to get those are like a party store. Um, but uh you nice. go in there and buy a bunch, but, you know, we, we make people do a lot of that kind of stuff at the end of their workouts to kind of mm-hmm. help them shut off from the training. But right. sir, why don't you kind of take us through some of that stuff and the re, you know, get into the reason why you, you wrote the book as well. Sure.
0: Sure. Well, first I have to um, <laughs> walk you through my visual. I'm having of like John and I flying to Kentucky to see you and we knock on your door and you open it and it's just packed with balloons. <laughs> you blow them up and you just tie them off and leave them.
2: Right. right just keep them. <laughs> yeah. Keep them That's forever.
0: Right. <laughs> so that, that, that was fun. So thanks for that. But I love you're, that idea. You're welcome. So anyway, as far as uh, the book and what we, how we walk people through these steps, not to give it all away, of course. But you're right. We really do start at the very, very basic level. And I don't want people to hear that and think, "Well, I've got this all down. I don't need to be start. You know, I don't need to start at a basic level. I need to be hardcore." Well that's not what this is about. I mean, we all need to start at this basic level. I mean, I look at this program and it's a reminder to me. You know what? I need to tackle one thing at a time. <laughs> I don't need to do it all at once because it's not manageable and I need to go back to being very mindful of okay, what is my what is my vice right now? Have I taken up coffee again, which thank God I haven't. If I did, however, you know, I would have to tackle that and get rid of that. That's the one thing I need to get rid of. But really what we try to to have people do is is kind of baby step their way into a lifestyle that's sustainable. And it's not a program where you're going to finish it and then wonder what the heck to do. It's a program where you get through it and then you don't have to think about it anymore. Like I tell my clients at the gym, I want to get you to a space where you wake up in the morning and you just live your life and you're not focused on, oh my God, what am I going to eat? Oh my God, do I have time to meditate? Holy cow, am I going to make it to the gym? Those (laughs) things, like Jason says also, should be as mindless is brushing your teeth and taking a shower it just needs to be part of who you are so our approach is to get people to where they're the things that they do to be healthy and well and okay are as mindless as brushing their teeth and taking a shower because it's part of who they are now so that means week one you avoid your biggest vice maybe that's sugar and you start to walk And you, you log, you know, or you don't have to log it necessarily, but you see that you're walking 15 minutes a day and that's it. I'm, I'm walking, I've cut out sugar, I'm sleeping. So maybe I was going to bed at midnight. So tonight I'm going to go to bed at 1145 and tomorrow I'm going to go to bed at 1130. And these are tools that we use with real live people that actually work, that we use with ourselves, And then we talk about stress management, find a quiet place to sit down blow up your balloon, take the, you know deep breaths and focus on your breathing for five minutes and then add on another five minutes. So it's very, it, it seems very simple, but when we look at a lifestyle change in its whole and its complete form, we all feel overwhelmed. I mean, I know that if someone told me, well, tomorrow, Sarah, you have to stop lifting heavy weights and instead you're going to, um, you know, train it to be an acrobat in the circus and you have to, um, (laughs) no longer, um, go to the, go to the farmer's market to get your food. You have to actually hunt for it. And then you're not going to be able to sleep in your bed tonight. You have to build your own canopy and you have to do all of this and master it tomorrow. I would freak out. But if someone was like, okay, tomorrow you're going to start by learning how to swing on, the um, swing at the circus. And we're just going to start with the swing. I'd be like, okay, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can do that. I can add that one thing that's different. So um, it's kind of that mindset of, you know, just, just making it really feasible for people. And this is what works. Like I said, with the people that we work with in real life.
1: Absolutely. That's fantastic. You know, I think um, the number one reason I think people fail is because they fail to start where they are. And, 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 and that for me is, is, has been, uh, you know, one of the main foundations, and with myself, is getting people to start where they are. And if they aren't willing to work from where they're at, then you're not going to have long term success. Um, yeah, yeah if
2: know. I could interject right there, yeah, I, I, um, <clears throat> I was thinking the whole time about when when Sarah and I came came up with this project, and we and and we wrote this book. And and I don't mean this for, to sound like a commercial for the book entirely, but the idea was that. There's only a couple of different kinds of professionals out there that we've ever seen. There are people who are putting together plans and once they have the plan, they blast it out to the world. And if a huge portion of the people, despite the fact that the plan works, can't seem to get through it anyway, then we fall back on they're not motivated. uh, There's something wrong with their willpower or some other character trait. We see all these things as character traits. And so... You know, the people that do do it, that do step in the footprints that we draw on the ground, those people get amazing results. So I know my plan works. Fantastic. I did a great job. I'm just going to keep sifting through people to see who can do it. And then there's this other side that is the more on the psychology side going, why do people struggle to make real life change. And those people are looking at things like even career changes and people quitting uh, smoking cigarettes and alcohol and other drug addictions and uh, people trying to overcome phobias and all of those types of things. And they're not necessarily applying it to nutrition, but when they, or to to health and fitness, I mean, but when they do, they come at it because they're not professionals on that arena. They come at it from the, well, if if people struggle to make change, one of the ways that people struggle to make change is to change by not eating so much. So they only understand it from that same old caloric restriction thing. And nobody was really looking at this problem that we knew of that was saying, why... When we know a plan is good, because Sarah and I have been doing this a long time, as you have, sure. we know what it takes to get somebody to fit. And it's different people, different things for different people. There's always little tweaks. It's not like one blanket system is going to make every single person get amazing results. But why is it when we can apply these things that we know to people that so few people are still capable of getting to the finish line, and we didn't believe that those people just inherently suck? We didn't believe that those people are just awful people. So to my knowledge, we're the only people that have stood back and gone, a plan is not enough. A plan of how you do this is not enough. Eat these foods, don't eat those foods. You know, like we're so used to thinking about diets in a a way that we can explain them in one breath. You know, you can, uh, Atkins, it was... uh, 20 20, uh, grams of carbs a day in the induction phase and then you'd go up to 30 grams after that and you may be able to inch it up little by little over time. That's the whole diet and I just explained it in one breath and that's what people are used to getting when it comes to these things. What they're not used to looking at is how are we wired as humans that that have survived on this planet for the last 2.6 million years under conditions that have absolutely nothing to do with the conditions we live under today. How Are we really wired for things like long-term goal setting? You know, we went to some big name professionals to ask these questions outside of the arena of fitness and nutrition to find out why is it that people come to a perfectly good, good plan and still stumble and still fail and the vast majority who try it will still not make it to the end no matter how good the plan is those questions seemed very valid to us. And that's what we pursued. And what came out of it is the plan that we have at the end of the book for how we walk you through this. But I, it, we just, we couldn't ignore that, you know, it, it's just, it's too easy to do the typical trainer thing and go, Oh, you're just not motivated enough. You know, like, oh, or you just don't want it bad enough. If you wanted it bad enough, you'd come in and go hard or go home. You know, and that's sort of the 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 typical trainer mentality. And frankly, I think that mentality is BS. I think people do want it. I don't think that the plans that are being thrown in them in their faces most of the time are conducive to them living in this crazy, stressed out world that doesn't look anything like walking out, gathering some food, and coming back and sitting around the same fire every day like a camping trip for your entire life, which is what we did for two point six million years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think uh, you know, get it going down that road is uh, a lot of people just. They don't know either how to be healthy because it comes down to being healthy. Because if you're healthy, you're going to want to take care of yourself. Uh, or another part of it is, is a lot of people get their identity from being sick.
0: Mm-hmm. Like true, that's
1: that's who they've yes. been. That's who they are. They don't know how to function any other way. Like they're afraid to feel better. They're afraid to feel yeah. health- healthy because they they don't they don't know like they don't have any other identity like that's who they are
0: yeah oh exactly. man. yeah we've we've covered that in our in our workshops and I talk about that with clients where people get comfortable with being uncomfortable because it's all they know and like you said when people get attention even if it's because of something that's really detrimental to them or uncomfortable to them that's what they that's what they um, I can't think of the word right now identify with and mm-hmm. so it, it is it's super hard and you see that with you know Addiction,
1: too. It's like the kid that misbehaves to get his parents right. to give him attention.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. So
1: people people don't go down that road. And, you know, like the, the trainer thing, like biggest loser, you know, go harder, go harder. Well, if you're healthy, you're going to want to take care of yourself. So mm-hmm. that's the one thing I love about your book is the emphasis on getting healthy. And you guys lay out those steps on how to get healthy and how to lay that foundation so that you can actually train on top of that. Because it's funny because... Most of the people that come to me that are burned out are burned out because they don't have those pillars, you know, the walking, the meditation, the nutrition, the, the, the rest part of it. They just think driving their car harder is the answer to everything. So the nice thing about this book is it's not only good for people that are brand new, it's good for people that are burned out, uh, even for myself. These are the steps I had to go through when I ran into my health issues. And if you're a coach You know, we are going into an era of, you know, there's a gym here in Lexington that I used to work at, great place, Lexington Athletic Club. They offer free CrossFit classes as part of their, and free classes as part of their their offering. How are you going to compete with that as a trainer? Yeah, Uh, You're going to have to get results, and you get results with people by starting where they are, starting at ground zero, and teaching them how to have a better lifestyle, because even if you don't exercise a lot, if your sleeps in line and you're getting some vitamin D and you're going for walks and you're managing your stress, you're not going to have a weight issue. Right? Uh, you know, and, and I tell that to people all the time. They're like, "Oh, I I, I can't exercise." Well, if, if you're eating good food and you're and you're and you're relaxing and you're taking care of yourself, then you shouldn't gain a bunch of body fat because you stopped training. You mm-hmm. know, um, you know that's basically um, you know the the in a nutshell. Um, Sarah, why don't you give us some of the simple tips that you give people in the beginning, like I really liked like, uh, you know, moving your, some of your macronutrients around and some of the little simple things that you guys offered in the book to help people keep, keep people going in the right direction.
0: Sure. So basically just really very simple things like that, like just what to avoid, what to eat. Um, Basically we talk about nutrition. um, We try to be very basic, but also very thorough as well talk about our maybe foods, our diet friendly treats and our perspective on that. And then, you know, with, with the movement part, we basically show people how, how to move, how their bodies are supposed to. We talk about walking and we show people how to lift, but when is it appropriate to do that? And, you know, which type of exercise make the most sense? Um, And then really we want folks to be a minimalist. So we talk about that as well too. So it's, you know, just now I forgot your question.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was
1: talking about just some of the simple tips that some of the things that I really, you know, there are some really cool tips in there about, you know, just little simple things in like the first couple weeks to get people going in the right direction that I know make a massive difference. Uh, you know, it, it, and it comes down to this. It right. comes down. If you want to teach somebody to drive an Indy car, uh, yeah. but you don't even have to teach people, you know, the majority of the people coming into my gym just want to look good and feel good, mm-hmm. which right. is the equivalent of driving like a Honda, like a, a Toyota Camry. Right. right. Most most so, people want to drive it. They want to have a Toyota yeah. Camry. So we don't have to go to the level of an Indy car, right? Because the Indy car blows up a lot. You've got to fix it all the time. It has really expensive parts. The Camry drives a long time. It looks pretty good. You know, you you can drive it for a lifetime. The maintenance cost isn't very high. Mm-hmm. So most people want to be a Camry. But when you you don't just throw a kid into a Camry, you start with a go kart, mm-hmm. you know, or you start with a tricycle. So why, why don't you give us some of the little things that to get people going in the right direction, uh, that you get to give people these changes that they can actually do. Cause I think a lot of times people just, they change too many things at once or they, they, you know, they don't come into it, you know, like a, like a beginner, you know?
0: Right. Well, I think I kind of covered what I think the biggest, the biggest tip is that, that I talked about earlier when I was addressing what my, what I do with my clients and that's slowing down. And yes. I think. I really think people don't understand how to grasp that. Like, what do you mean by slowing down? And so I think that's really honestly the most important tip that's in the book, especially at the very beginning when we just kind of talk about how to make this all work. I think that we don't equate what happens physically to our bodies with what we're doing to ourselves as far as like the stress response is concerned. You know, if you're you're bloated and you're exhausted and, you have aches and pains. We don't always associate that with with stress and with doing right. too much and with lack of sleep. So just getting that mindset of slowing your life down a little bit is huge. And I know that's really big right now. Like a lot of people talk about that. You know, Deepak Chopra is is a big figure in the world of meditation and being healthy. But how do you do that? You know, we have to we have to address the way that we change things a little bit differently. And there's actually a section of the book that's called "Addressing Change Differently." And so starting to put a plan together that actually works, that's actually feasible for everyone. Like Jason was saying before, well, what about that demographic who tries something and it doesn't actually work? You know, what, what are they supposed to do? Well, this is what that book addresses, is making it work for everyone. So, you know, slowing down and then focusing on little things like cutting out that biggest vice, like sugar, doing that first, and then taking some deep breaths. You know, that's, that's something that, you know, you talked about earlier with the balloon thing we don't remember how to breathe. We don't know what that looks like. And, you know, I'll sit and talk to clients or people will come into the gym and every breath they take. And when they're talking, it all sounds like that. So, you know, they're
1: chapping their foot up and down. Like they've got somewhere to go. Yeah.
0: Right. Exactly. So just remember to take a deep breath in through your nose (laughs) every now and then and fill up your lungs with air. So, um, just very basic stuff to get people started.
2: Yeah. Maybe even thinking about some things like, you know, uh, it does, does the process of you wanting to get the, you know, the body you want as far as like you wanting to look good naked. I understand that that can, that that desire can be a stress in your life, but does the process that you go through to try to get it cause more stress then you're doing it wrong? In my opinion, it's, it should be something that you should back off far enough that it can happen amidst all of the life stresses that you can't change. So um, we have this, we talk a lot about this in the book. We have this desire to go, um, you know, I, I, I want to change. I want to become a per that, that person that I have taped up on my bathroom mirror. I don't want my inner voice to sling insults at me anymore. Every, every morning as I brush my teeth in the mirror, um, I, I, I finally get to feel good for a moment on the day that I set a goal. I stomp my foot down and say, I'm going to become this other person. I'm going to, I'm going to make these changes and you identify with what you're going to become. But we set these massive goals because the bigger the goal, the better it feels. And we're not, really, like I said earlier, hardwired to do this long-term goal-setting thing. We're hardwired to find food right now. We're hardwired to get away from predators right now, get some water, get some warmth, all of those types of things right now. And we're going to come across a thousand things that we'll be tempted to do right now, all in the process of trying to pursue a six-month or one-year goal, which is impossible for hunter-gatherers. For two point six million years, there were no long term goals we could set. I mean, Other there were living,
1: none living to
2: tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, there were none, and, and even still, that's a short term goal. You couldn't save anything. There wasn't any fat to lose. You followed the herd, so it wasn't like you had to, you know, pile up your food. It's there are no long. You wouldn't even say, "Hey, I want to be a better hunter by May twenty eighth. I'm going to be able to shoot an arrow, group of arrows this big." No, you just would have went out and hunted. So we we have things like dopamine, that is a it, it's it's a, a wanting hormone but it's not a liking hormone it's a it's a hormone that makes you repeat things but it doesn't necessarily make you like the things you're repeating which is why smokers can smoke for years sometimes after they hate smoking it's this sort of go back and do that again hormone because it's good for you. When anything that plays on that hormone, like we eat food, we get a dopamine response. The dopamine says go do that again. We have sex, we get a dopamine response. It says go do that again. If we didn't, we wouldn't be humans. There wouldn't be humans on the planet. Except that now we've got all this crazy stuff like ice cream that nobody eats when they're hungry. You only eat it because you want to say yum and it gives you a dopamine hit that says you really really need to do this again. But it's not good for you. The system's all been broken. And if you get up in the morning and you go, I'm going to change the way I exercise, the way I sleep, the way I manage my stress and everything about my diet and I'm going to do it all starting today. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> like I, I very seriously doubt you're going to make it too far into a goal like that. It takes a very special kind of person to be able to make that kind of lifestyle conquest all at once. But you know, those kinds of goals are the norm.
1: You know, it's, it's interesting. You talked about somebody taping a picture up on, on the bedroom mirror. And who's to say that that body is healthy for you? you right. Know, right. Uh, I know Mark Sisson talks about that all the time. You know, Victoria's Secret or Men's Health, who, who made them decide what the ideal body type is?
2: Yeah, and, I disagree.
1: And, and, you know, a couple hundred years ago, people that were, uh, had excessive fat were attractive because those were people that had, that had food. You know, so right. now, now emaciated people are, are in, in trend, but for most people, most women, that, that body type is not necessarily healthy. So that's, you know, one thing I think your book does a great job of is educating different, different people, the difference between performance and health. You know, it's funny. I had a football coach when I was in high school that, you know, there was all these different goals. And the one thing I like, you guys talked about the short-term goal setting. He talked about never worry about the score, never worry about winning the game. He goes, do one play at a time, and you win one play at a time. And when you win more plays than you lose, the score will take care of itself. Mm. So that takes all the pressure off you. You're just you're living one meal at a time. You're mm. living you know, one day at a time. You're going to, you know, here's, my, here's what I'm going to do today. And you just keep continuing to do that, and you do it day after day. Right. And eventually, you're going to end up in the, uh, where you want to go. And, um, and, and I really, really like that. And especially for my clientele, we always focus on, you know, let's, you know, lift with the best form we possibly can, let's do these exercises to the best we can. And then we'll just see what happens. I'm never going to limit anyone to how much they can lift, but I find that once we set like, I want to deadlift this much, uh, you end up getting in your head, you have all these problems, but if you say, you know, I'm going to focus on, you know, training to the best of my ability within my means. And we'll let the weight kind of take care of itself. It usually ends up working out for the person. So that, that I thought was a really, really interesting perspective.
2: Yeah,
0: for sure. Because we we have to set realistic goals for ourselves too, because everyone's lives are different every single day and we don't know what's going to happen in six months or a year from now. And it's almost freeing in some ways to like your perspective on with your clients, Jim, like you're going to deadlift 300 pounds by the end of next year you don't know if if your client's going to be invited to go out of the country for three months or something, you know, the opposite of that, have an injury. I mean, or get really sick or get really (laughs) sick. Right. So to have all this buildup to a goal that may or may not even come to fruition. And especially when it comes to exercise, in my opinion, because I mean, we, unless you're a competitive athlete, like a football player for the NFL, Mm. I mean, I don't Mm. look for my self-worth in what I accomplish in the gym. I mean, it just, (laughs) that's not what, and we actually talk about that in the book, like don't find your self-worth based on what you did that day. I mean, we don't, some of us don't have a good day. (laughs) Sometimes it's a bad day. So, you know, gauging who you are as a human and whether or not you've accomplished anything based on, you know, something like your fitness level on that particular day is just not, it's not worth it and it's not fulfilling. It makes you not want to go back. But if you, like you said, Let's see what happens. And then we know what we need to do day by day to get there. It's really a positive perspective, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. And the
1: fact That's this better. is a lifestyle, it's a long term process. Right. This isn't a quick fix. You know, I worked exactly. with Eric Banks, um, you know, uh, helped him lose 150 pounds. And I, he kept coming to me and I was like, You're not ready yet. You're not ready. Don't come to me until you're willing to change your lifestyle, not mm-hmm. just look for this quick fix.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And that's hard for people to hear. And, you know, I had a client recently who I saw her for about six sessions and she said, you know what? I need to actually, it was kind of a mutual thing, not be here right now because I know that me coming here is not what I, it's not going to work unless I do all this other stuff you're telling me to do. Like, well, yeah, right, (laughs) exactly. Because right now I can't really train you because you need to do all these other things. Like we can come hang out and you can kind of walk around the gym with me. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but until you oh I don't know sleep, then this yes. other stuff isn't gonna happen. So
2: right. that's awesome. Yep. Are we running out of time?
1: I think we're almost up on time. Uh, this has been awesome, guys. I really enjoyed that discussion and you know and the, and the fact, Sarah, that you're uh, aware of that and, and most, most trainers don't even take that into consideration. They just beat the heck out of their client. Mm-hmm. Um, training is all about adaptation. If you don't sleep, if you're not rested, you're not going to adapt. Can you overreach and hit a PR that workout? Absolutely. Sure. But the more those you hit, the bigger the hole you dig and you just keep digging that hole and you might be able to overreach for years and years and years, but then one day you're going to be burned out and exhausted. You know, it could take, it might take a year. It might take two. It might take 10, you know, depending mm-hmm. on your age. So, you know, uh, to steal a term from Paul check, you have to work out so you can work in. But I'm. Uh, it was really awesome to have you guys on here. I really enjoyed the discussion. I hope people enjoyed it as well. I uh, hope it didn't drive Kiefer too crazy. Um, <laughs> so because Kiefer's, kinda, Kiefer's <laughs> kind of Kiefer's kind of interesting. You know, he has likes things done in a certain way, and and if it's not done Kiefer's way, he gets a little irritated. So um,
0: well, I forgot, I forgot to tell Kiefer thank you. Thank you, Kiefer, for letting us be on your podcast while you guys are busy. And yeah, I'm thanks. so glad that. Jim, you decided to have Jason and I on because you could have picked from a gazillion awesome people out there in the industry. So I feel very honored that you picked us. So thank you well, well, so much.
1: My, my pleasure. I love hanging out with you guys. I wish I could see you guys more. Jason, why don't you tell us uh, you know, where they can you can find the book and all that good stuff and any of the thing that you guys have going on in the, in the future?
2: Yeah, the book is at uh, jossamethod.com. That's J-A-S-S-A method.com. Uh, lots of cool information there before you buy the book. The fantastic site built for that. Um, and then uh, to check us out on the Paleo Lifestyle and Fitness Podcast. And you can come get more direct coaching for, from us at jossofit.com. Um, be sure to hit up Everyday Paleo. And you can also go, uh, I just have a little like informational site, not a blog or anything called jsaibe.com that lists my seminars and things like that. But go to both of those two sites and uh, give us your email addresses so we can we can um, keep you abreast of everything we're doing. Neither one of us are going to, we don't have the time or the energy to fill your inbox with spam, but we'd love to be able to keep in touch with anybody (laughs) that's interested. Awesome.
1: Well, Sarah, it was good chatting with you. Did you have anything you needed to add?
0: Um, I just need to add that, um, Jason, thank you also for doing this project with me. And I really think that a lot of folks are going to be reached and helped by this. So I'm just grateful for, you know, us as a United team and you included Jim that, you know, we, we're trying to really help folks. So it, it feels good to to have this be a part of my life. So yeah. thanks again, guys. Absolutely. You're welcome.
1: Awesome. And that's Rommel in the background. If you're wondering, he's kind of not very happy about being in his kennel right now, but, <laughs> and if you guys want anyone that's listening wants to find out more about me, you can uh, have a website. Uh, it's my, the gym website. My Jim's name is Jim Laird, dot com. You can go check it out. I have Facebook and Twitter and all that cool stuff as well. So, and I'd also like to thank Kiefer for, and Dr. Rocky for letting me uh, take over their domain for a show.
2: Yeah. So,
0: awesome. perfect. All right, guys. We'll All talk
2: right. to you guys soon. Thanks a lot. That's
0: good. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. You've been listening to Body.io FM with your hosts, Kiefer and Dr. Rocky. If you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more science from the pinnacle of human health and performance.